Okay, if you could just give us a level check, that would be great. Chuck, this is gonna be painless. We're gonna have fun. You say that now. No, it's gonna be perfect. <laughs> Let me do it again. I tripped over myself. Of course. Whatever you need. All right, sorry. God, I'm all nervous this point. <laughs> I'm Elizabeth Beisel, two-time Olympic medalist, and I'm jumping the press rope to take you inside the Athletes' Village, one of the most interesting and exclusive places at the 2020 Tokyo Olympic and Paralympic Games. We'll have unfiltered conversations with Olympic athletes from the ground about the daily experiences that make up a majority of the athlete life at the Games. After all, it isn't all nail-biting pressure and medal ceremonies. This podcast is presented by Nordatrack from iFit. You can hear us in the headphones, okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll get started in three, two, one. Chuck, thank you so much for being with us here today in the village. You are not personally in the village yet. <laughs> Yeah. When are you traveling to Tokyo? I am traveling to Tokyo on the 17th of August. So I've got about 10 days. We have a training camp, and then we'll get over there, and we're just, we're just so excited to be there. It's been, been a long five years. No kidding. Um, where is your yeah. camp before you head to Tokyo? We train in Birmingham, Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama at something called the Lakeshore Foundation, and so they've got dorms on site. We can kind of do a little pre-bubble almost before we travel, which and we never thought we'd have to do, but it's really nice to have that in the COVID era. And at least... The Paralympic Games are happening. Um, you are one of the most experienced members of Team USA at the Paralympics. What is one of the things that you are most looking forward to about the Paralympic Games, other than getting there after a long five years? <laughs> yeah, besides putting our wheels on the ground, which will be the most exciting thing in the last five years, um, I would say I'm just most excited to, to compete again. You know, we haven't played a competitive match for our sport in over a year and a half. And I usually don't go three months without playing a competitive match. And it's been over wow. you know, over a year. Yeah. And so the chance just to get back on the court and actually play against another team and not just practicing against ourselves, is something I can't wait to do. You know, it's been such a long time. You know, it's, you can practice, you can scrunch, you can simulate as much as you want, but there's nothing like an actual game day or a race day. There's nothing that can simulate that. So I can't wait to get out there and do that. Yeah. You've said that, you know, the job that you all want to do on the wheelchair rugby team is to win that gold medal. You have a bronze from 2012, a silver from 2016. So if we're just going based off of patterns, exactly. it should be gold, right? This year, like, That's it. right? It's that simple. Yeah. That's nice it. We're, and easy. I'm trending the right direction. It's taken me an extra year, not quite as quickly as I thought I'd get there, but yeah, you know, I think we're trending the right way. The team is really strong. The team's excited. We feel really good. You know, despite everything that's happened, we feel like we're in a position to, to go get the job done. Yeah. As a team where I'm, I'm sure that you all don't live in Alabama together, how often are you all practicing together as a team? Yeah, typically in a normal year, you know, non-pandemic, we'd be practicing at least uh, every couple of months. We come together, we train, we do tournaments, we play on our club teams that we play for locally. Uh, but, you know, once again, this, this the pandemic, man, we went 10 months without seeing each other, which the team sport athlete is hard to even fathom. You know, like, right. we're used to seeing each other. You know, we see each other all the time. We see them more than our own family sometimes. And then to go 10 months without seeing each other was just crazy. And so we've had, this will be our fourth or fifth training camp this year. 
um, which is exciting. And we're just kind of finally getting back in the swing of things. But yeah, normally we see each other basically every month. It feels like every other week sometimes. <laughs> so these camps are of the utmost importance because that's like kind of your only opportunity to learn how each other's play again and setting yourselves up for obviously the most success in Tokyo. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we train on our own. We work hard. You know, you can do all your physical skills, but at the end of the day, we play a team sport. You know, I can only do, I'm one person. There's 12 of us. There's four on the court. You know, we all have to be in sync working together. And yeah, training camp's the only time we can do that. There's one other guy who lives in Denver with me, but everybody else is in Wisconsin, Arizona, New York, uh, you know, all over the country and Idaho. And so it's really important for us to, you know, to come together to, you know, luckily we have a really experienced team. But a lot of us have been playing together since the, actually since around Rio or even earlier. So we've got a lot of experience, which helps uh, kind of back up to speed quicker. But it certainly is still challenging and takes a lot of, um, you know, always, always takes more reps to do. Yeah, I love that concept because that's probably not something that people are thinking about in the forefront of their mind. Like, oh, these guys practice together all the time. No worries. And it's like, yeah. no, they actually don't. Um, yeah. I want to talk about the coverage that the Paralympic Games are getting because it's the most that they've ever gotten. And NBC has done such an amazing job promoting it and giving them that platform. So for somebody at home that is watching Paralympic wheelchair rub rugby for the first time ever, what are a few things that you want those people at home to know about this incredible sport because it's also very physical. Like (laughs) this is not an easy sport to do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think that I tell first time people who watch military rugby is it's going to be fast. It's going to be exciting. There's going to be a lot of crashing, smashing. There's going to be some rules you don't understand and you'll pick it up. You know, it's pretty simple. We really just have a mix of basketball and um, hockey. It's kind of a mix of a lot of different sports. You pick it up pretty quick. But mostly, it's just fast and exciting. You know, it's guys smashing each other, knocking each other around, trying to send each other, tipping over, flying. Um, and it's just a high energy and, and intense sport. And I think, I think that's how people are going to love it. You know, people always watch it and they fall in love with it. Oh, this is awesome. I want to see more of that. You know, and we're, like you said at the beginning, we're so thankful and excited that NBC is doing so much coverage. We can't wait. You know, obviously, with our families not being able to come, it's going to be great that they'll be able to stream it, watch it, do all that kind of stuff, be able to watch us play because it's so special having them there normally, but at least they can, you know, kind of check in from us on our smartphone. Oh, absolutely. And you talk about all of the smashing and the crashing and the high energy. Do you have multiple wheelchairs with you in case something (laughs) happens to one? Like how many are you traveling with to Tokyo? What's that scene look like for you? Yeah, we usually have a couple backup chairs just kind of in case, okay. but I actually have a brand new chair I got just for the game. So they usually last. Yeah, I know. It's very exciting. Yeah. Oh, that's they, um, awesome. La- oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it's so cool. So they usually last about um, a couple of years. So one tournament usually shouldn't be the end. And quite frankly, if you're coming to the Paralympic Games with a chair that's like on its last legs, that's maybe not the smartest strategic decision to do. So most Fair players enough. try to get, you know, a brand new chair or a pretty new chair to get dialed in. So I'm going to get it dial in at this next training camp and then hopefully just be able to rock and roll with it in Tokyo. Do you get to design it at all and like put a little Chuck Aoki flair on it? <laughs> you know, I, I should. I really should next time. The company I work with, Melrose out of New Zealand, is really great. But what's actually cool about Paralympics, I tell this to everybody, is that each chair is built for like that individual. Like my chair is built right. for me. There's probably not even one or two other people in the world who could use the chair I use. And that's the same of all my teammates, which I think is really cool. 
know, these chairs are designed for our bodies because we all have different disabilities, different function levels. And it's really interesting when you watch the sport, you kind of see, oh, that guy does this, he plays defense more, he's kind of more in charge of that. Oh, that guy's chair is a little different, it's a little smoother, sleeker, he can kind of get around. I think that's a really cool aspect of the Paralympics that I'm hoping, you know, people in the United States are going to experience and really enjoy and appreciate. How do you get the chairs to Tokyo? Do you have like a special suitcase that you ship them in? Like, it's not a carry-on, right? Like that has to be shipped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, we fly with them, you know. Uh, United does a good job of putting them on the planes and taking care of them. We've only ever had a few issues with sometimes they cracking, but we also travel with a team of mechanics who they know how to weld, they know how to, they can do everything basically. And so they get down there and we always, you inspect every like, hundred different little aspects of the chair to make sure there's no issues. Um, and as long as you're good to go, they are, uh, you go with it. And if not, they, they, we got a great team of guys who can fix pretty much anything I'd like to say. That gets broken. That's incredible that you <laughs> yeah. travel with mechanics. And, and oh, yeah, I'm sure yeah, it's, it's obviously cool. needed. Um, yeah, super you talk- a huge part of our staff. Yeah. yeah. Can you actually talk about the support staff that travels with the wheelchair rugby team? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've got our coaching, you know, kind of like every, any team sport, we've got a head coach who's been around since, uh, he's actually the assistant at Athens. He's been around a very, very long time. Um, and then we've got uh, medical staff, which is super important because, like I said, we've all got different disabilities, all different challenges. And so we have a wonderful athletic trainer who I should shout him out his name. We call him Dirty. His name's Jim Murdoch. Um, and he's just yeah. a great guy. He, you know, he's worked with us for, for over two decades now. He's just a phenomenal uh, guy who knows us, knows how to work with every little issue we have. Uh, we've got our team leader. We've got our sports psychologist. We've got sport nutritionist. And we, of course, we've got the we've got the um, mechanic guys who are just awesome. And they, you know, they, yeah. it's amazing how fast they can change a tire. If anyone's ever trying to change a bike tire, you know, it's not super easy. And these guys do it in like a minute. It's just boom, they're done. And you're back out there because we get flat tires a lot. Is the other aspect. So they've got to be able to change it quick. Otherwise, players have to sub off. So it's it's really, you know, we have 12 players who work really well together, but we've also got, I think, like. 10 or 12 staff who work really well together. It just makes us such a cohesive unit and a really special thing to get to be a part of. That's so amazing. I'm like, I feel like I'm learning so much, which hopefully means everybody that's listening to this is learning so much. Um, I want to talk about the Olympic village and the Paralympic village and what that experience is like with all the athletes. Is there a particular country that you all get along with extra? Well, is there somebody that you're looking forward to seeing more than others? Talk about that. Yeah, well, the, the village, as you mentioned, is just such a special experience. And my first games, you know, when I came into the village for the first time, I looked around and I saw all these countries. I saw people from all over the world. It was the first time that really hit me that I'm part of something bigger than myself. There are people from countries like, you know, I've never even heard of here. Um, and I'm just like, this is amazing. And we're all here together. We're all competing. We're all elite athletes. We've all worked so hard to get to this point. And it's, it's so special to be a part of that. And in terms of you know, country we're friendly with. You know, it's always nice to see the guys you play against. So we get to know each other. A lot of them play in the United States, not domestically. So, you know, you kind of bump into them and it's fun to see. Um, you know, there's not any country in particular that I um, I wouldn't want to offend anyone, certainly. I, I don't like right. that. It's always very nice, I should say. The, yeah. Swedish, the Swedish have always been very kind and, and, and sweet. And the Germans, too, actually, surprisingly. They might not want me to say that, but I think I've always found Germans to be very nice. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's just such a cool experience to be a part of seeing people from all over the world just who have worked so hard to get there. And there's just so many amazing stories in the Paralympics. There's, not to go off too much of time, there's one guy I remember in, in Rio or London who he built his own chair, and that's how he got himself there. You know, he built his own wheelchair because he was in the country that he didn't know how to just do it. And there's just so many amazing stories like that, and it's just such a cool 
and special, special privilege you get to be a part of. It's incredible. You think somebody like that building their own chair and how hard it was for them to just get there. And, you know, speaking of the equipment that Paralympians literally need to compete, how is, I mean, it's expensive. And do you receive funding for that? I know the USOPC is funding you all now and getting, getting you medal money equal Mm -hmm. to Olympians. Like, can you talk about that? The monetary aspect of being a Paralympian? Yeah, it's it's certainly challenging, you know, monetary aspect for Olympians and for Olympians, I should say. It's it's really difficult. Um, I'm really lucky. My chairs, I'm sponsored by, like I mentioned, a company uh, out, of Mel- out of New Zealand that takes care of my chairs. They help me build it. They help me design it and stuff like that. So it's good. But early in my career, you know, you have to pay for everything. The chairs run anywhere from about at the very basic, get the most basic possible chair, about $5,000, all the way up to as much as $10,000. And this is a chair, yeah, you're going through every couple of years. And so... It's an expensive sport to play. Um, I've been lucky to have a few sponsors who have helped me out uh, on my journey, but, you know, not everybody's as lucky as I am. And so guys find ways to make it work. They pick up extra jobs. You know, Team USA has the athlete marketing program now, which is great. Mm-hmm. Gets the people some extra cash. And so there's there's lots of ways, but the, the, the real moral um, or mindset and motto, I think, is you, you figure it out. You know, this is such an amazing experience to get to be a part of is you do what it takes to get to compete at this level. You know, and, you know, like you said, we're going to, hopefully get a nice a nice bonus at the end of all this that would be uh, yeah. really excellent. But, you know, at the end of the day, everybody who competes at this level does it because they love it. They love to be a part of it. They love to get to compete. And the money, the money things that come with it are really nice. But, you know, we do this because we love this. And it's just, you know, it's such a special thing to get to be a part of. Team USA, you know, only a handful of people in the world ever have gotten to say that. And to, to be able to win those letters across, it just means more than just about anything. Yeah, I think that's so well said. You know, aside from that, hopefully big bonus that you mentioned, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, exactly. right? Uh, what is one no. thing? Right, I wouldn't say no to it either for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is one thing that you are hoping to walk away with from these Paralympic Games? It will be. I don't want to say your. Will it be your last? Is there any plans to continue on to Paris, LA? The, the plan at the moment is to get to Tokyo and then take a couple months just to kind of step back and, and, and reassess, and then we'll see where we go uh, from there. But right now, right now the focus is Tokyo, and you know, I'm, I'm certainly not saying it's. I'm certainly not saying it's definitely my last. We're just going to kind of take a couple time and, and reset and figure it out. Okay, I love that. Then, in terms of these <laughs> Tokyo Games, what is one thing yeah. that you are hopeful to walk away with them with, yeah. other than a gold um, medal? Which well, anything, you know, we'll take any medal, but you know, what's one thing that you hope to walk away from these games with? Yeah, I think, you know, certainly a gold medal, you know, a crown my career, you know, something I've been driving towards for over a de- almost a decade now, you know, but I think, you know, that's the easy answer. The, the real answer is I want to come away from this, just knowing that my team and I competed, you know, we did our best. We, we, we really worked together well as a team and we left it off. You know, I don't want us to come and say, oh, man, I wish I'd done this. Or, oh, I wish I'd thought of that. You know, I want us to put every bit of energy and effort we have into competing and being successful here. And as long as we're able to do that, you know, I'll be able to, I'll be able to come home with my head held high uh, no matter what we come home with. You know, hopefully it's gold, certainly. But there's a lot of teams that want, want the gold, and so we have to pretty much show that we want it, we want it back more than anybody else does. And I, I think we do, and I think we're going to show that. Yeah, I think you guys do too. And you have all the support from me, from Team USA. 
Best of luck, travel safe to Tokyo, and we will all be watching you guys kick some butt on wheelchair rugby. Thank you so much, Chuck, for joining us. And again, we will be watching you and cheering for you. Thanks, Thanks so much for having me. Bye. This podcast is presented by Nordatrack from iFit. Follow In the Village now on Amazon Music and wherever you're listening to get automatic downloads. And tune into the networks of NBC to watch it all unfold. <laughs>